0: Welcome
1: to the Martech Podcast. Today we're going to talk about community-driven marketing. Joining us is Lloyd Lobo, who's the co-founder and president at Boast.ai, which is a fintech platform that automates access to billions in r and d tax credits and government funding to help innovative companies fuel their growth. They're also a company that prides themselves on building communities and marketing and monetizing them. And today, Lloyd and I are going to discuss his ultimate guide to community-led growth. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Lloyd Lobo, the co-founder and president of Boast.ai. Lloyd, welcome to the Martech podcast.
2: I'm excited. Long-term listener. I even see you guys on the HubSpot podcast network. I'm excited. Thanks for hosting me.
1: (laughs) Excited to have you here. Always nice to connect with a listener. I'm going to start with a non-marketing question. How often do people come up to you and just yell Lloyd at the top of their lungs like they were Jeremy Piven from Entourage?
2: I don't know. I was at Saster. It happened quite a few times.
1: (laughs) I have to be honest. I'm tempted. It might happen before the end of the podcast. So Just brace yourself here. And for anybody that's not an Entourage fan, you're going to have to go back and watch Jeremy Piven, who just started a podcast and basically pretends to be somebody other than Ari Gold. He actually is a real person, Jeremy Piven. That said, let's talk a little bit about community and marketing. Uh, outside of having a, a easy-to-yell name, you've got some expertise in finding people that are interested in connecting and finding a way to drive business results. Your company is not specifically a marketing company, but you've got some marketing expertise. Tell me about what you guys have been doing.
2: So our mission at Boost is to enable innovators to become successful and change the world. Every dollar spent in innovation returns 20 in new economic activity. Vaccines, robots, clean drinking water. But innovators need more than just government funding to become successful, right? They need more than capital. You can't succeed without the connection and resources. So me and my co-founder, Alex, as failed entrepreneurs ourselves, when we started the company, we started hosting a lot of pizza nights where we would bring in successful entrepreneurs to share tactical advice on how to get, keep, and grow customers and scale. And those pizza nights over time, more and more people started showing up. And we're like, wow, this is becoming a thing, became an email list, then turned into a conference, now turned into a community. Today, we've got 115,000 subscribers. We host nearly 100 events a year, two webinars a week dinners in different cities, meetups, conferences, which generates huge brand value and word of mouth leads for us. And it's mostly funded by sponsorships and ticket sales, but it's really funny. I guess taking a page from HubSpot's book for inbound or gain sites for the customer success, we didn't want to bastardize the audience by saying it's the Boast community or something else. Right, tying it very close to our brand. Like HubSpot called it inbound, and now they have a marketing automation platform. Everything I learned about inbound marketing was from HubSpot's inbound community. So that's what we did is we call this community traction because everyone needs traction. Every innovator needs traction. Without traction, you can't build a company. You can't be successful. So like I said, we started with these pizza nights, focused on our customer profile. Every time we'd have unique tactical content off the record where people could take that and implement in their business. And that scaled to over 100,000 people. But really built on this one basic philosophy. And it's not very different than Apple or Nike. Apple is building phones. It's a commodity. In many ways, Nike's shoes is a commodity. But they've got raving fans. Why? It's beyond those shoes or beyond the device. It is the community. And so we have this fundamental belief, fall in love with your customer and make them successful beyond your product or service. Fall in love with your customer and make them successful beyond your product or service if you build a community, you will not become a commodity. So that was the whole driving mechanism behind building this whole community. Lloyd, you've
1: got a mantra there. So I want you to restate it. Say it one more time. So everybody hears it.
2: Yeah. So the mantra is fall in love with your customer and make them successful beyond your product or service. If you build a community, you won't become a commodity
1: if you build a community, you won't become a commodity. And I think that's really interesting. Let's talk a little bit about the guide you have for building that community and generating business results. I understand that if you build a community, people will think of you as something other than a commodity, but talk to me about the practice of doing that. How do you actually get people to engage with the community, engage with each other, and actually have it make a business impact?
2: Before I get into that, the one thing I want to share, you know, every five years or so, there's a new silver bullet. Back in the day it was Hotmail said, get your free Hotmail in the signature. They got to 12 million users or Airbnb jumpstarted growth by creating a connection with Craigslist without an open API. So people are just looking for this sort of silver bullet, like growth hacking was a thing, product led is a thing in the last year. I think we're in the era of community led the number of people asking me about how to build community for growth is insanity. And the one thing I'll tell you, if you don't have the DNA to give, meaning help enough people get what they want, give before you get, if you don't have that DNA, don't do it because the payback is very long. Building a community payback can be longer than even SEO. It takes a long time. And if you innately don't care about that mantra is help customers beyond your product or service and make them become successful. It's very, very hard to build a community because then everyone's going to do it. It's going to seem contrived and it's going to be very, very transactional, right? So if you look at it, even Airbnb, the big focus on community, Brian Chesky changed his title to CEO and head of community. Canva, $40 billion valuation, build a massive community, Peloton. So those things are really, really important to keep in mind that you need to have this DNA, this muscle it needs to be a part of your company's DNA, your how you do things, basically. It has to be a priority top-down and bottom-up. Okay, so there's a
1: philosophical component here where you can't just be transactional and expect somebody to join a community and then to immediately see business results. But there are some practical tactics to start building a community knowing that in the long run, in the back end, you're going to start seeing positive ROI are we talking Facebook communities? Are we talking Slack? Do you got to build your own thing? I mean, talk to me about sort of the basic practices of establishing a community. You know, who is what channel right for?
2: So I'm going to dive into sort of six tips. So the tip number one, I look at community building the same way you'd build a product, right? The tip number one is set a very aggressive goal, whatever it is. Last year, when we were growing this community, Noah Kagan challenged me, the AppSumo's founder, that, hey, can you grow it to 100,000 people? And we were at 40 at the time. By By the end of the year, we got to 97 by December. Oh, so close. So close, which is good. Didn't hit it, but got close. But I'm saying setting an aggressive goal is the number one thing, figuring that out. A lot of people ask me about Slack, Facebook. The first thing that comes to your mind shouldn't be about creating a Slack or Facebook group. The world doesn't need the end Facebook group or Slack group. The first thing that you should do after you have this aggressive goal is effectively figure out who your target audience is. In many ways, your target audience is your goal number one, right? Start by serving one audience exceptionally well, and that focus will give your messaging a lot of clarity. So figuring out who you're targeting, who is the ideal person for the community? What is the white space out there? Like, let's say if you're targeting a community of entrepreneurs, there's lots of communities. Well, what is the white space? What are they not getting?
1: I'll be honest, we've thought a lot about and talked about launching a MarTech community. And part of it is, well, we're lazy or we're behind and it's hard to get these things off the ground, but we've got an audience of people that listen to this podcast and we're building a newsletter product and eventually we will get to building a community and then it'll probably be a Slack community. Maybe we'll have something on Facebook for people that are over 45 that are using Facebook regularly. But yes, you have to isolate who your customer is. Case in point, MarTech Podcast. People that are interested in MarTech, people that are marketers that are trying to use technology, people that listen to the show, that's who we're targeting. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi, who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. What do I do with them? How do I get them actually into a room together to start communicating?
2: Exactly, right? So now you've figured out your ideal audience. Now the thing is, start with one thing and do it at scale really, really well. And that one thing, there's a bunch of things you can do. You talked about Slack, there's job boards, there's blog, there's podcasts, there's a hundred things you could do. I fundamentally feel events is a great way of bringing people together, especially now in this world of post COVID where nobody wants to listen to the nth online thing. And because we do hundreds of events, we see this anytime you incorporate more than two senses. So right now we're sound and sight or with the audience here sound, anytime you incorporate more than two senses, which is taste, touch, smell, and you do it with a cadence, you start building genuine connections. So we started hosting events and lots and lots of events. And the same people started coming over and over again. Those same people started inviting more and more people. And those events were very structured. Like, Hey, we're going to have pizza when we were cheap and had no money. You're going to have pizza. There's taste. Yeah. There's some taste and there's drinks served there. You're going to have a tactical session on a topic for your audience. So, you know, it can be very tactical on marketing. And then after that, like mastermind sort of networking style where people can learn from each other. So they're shaking hands, there's taste, there's touch, there's smell. And then you reinitiate because you have this cadence of events that are happening very regularly and the same people start coming. And that's what community is. You start, when you get more and more people start congregating, then they start pinging each other. They basically look forward to your events as a way for them to come and hang out with their friends. And then you start scaling that and then you get to a point where you then say, okay, maybe they want to keep in touch between events. Now, how do I facilitate that? And there are a number of tools for that. You can use Slack, you can use Facebook, or you can use a lot of online tools that are coming up right now, like tribe.so or circle.so, which are community management tools. But I think the first thing you need to solve for is that engagement. And for me, I found events as a great one because personal touch is irreplaceable. People do business with people. So I started with events quarterly, then became monthly. Now we're doing two a week. Now we're going to start doing IRL events every two weeks in different cities, bringing that back up. Then the recordings can turn into content, podcasts, everything else. You can do everything else, but you got to pick one, right? So like, let's say your community is a hub and there are spokes. Events is a spoke. Q&A is a space is a spoke. Your blog is a spoke. Podcast is a spoke. Ambassadors is a spoke. Pick one spoke and just do it well and do it at scale. Nail something first, nail it, and then scale it. So if you've nailed events and it's at a point of scale, then you figure out, okay, what's the next immediate value add to tack on top of that? Much like building a product, right? When I look at products, I think you can build a pretty big company serving one kind of customer, coming through one kind of channel, getting one kind of value. So you get to a point of like, okay, you have 10 million or so in revenue or 5 to 10 million in revenue, let's say. Then you can start adding like adjacent things based on the one thing that you've scaled. So I think figuring out that one thing is really important. I think people are not seeing this maybe or what it is, but IRL events are going to be a thing. It's coming back. It's coming back with full force. People have been cooped up for way too long. I went to the Saster conference a couple of weeks ago. I hosted a couple of events there. There were thousands of people coming up, right? And you needed to show your vaccine record and you needed to get tested at the door before getting in. But the engagement was huge. And that is irreplaceable. And I strongly encourage people, if you have an audience that you're targeting and you're serving a white space, start doing IRL events. It may be different for you guys, but that's worked for me. That's worked for a number of people. Those IRL events, then more and more people start gravitating towards it. They bring their friends. Then it turns into, it's a perfect fodder for your podcast and to do live conferences and then anything else you want to sell on top of that.
1: Here's the thing, and the reason why I have some... I don't want to call it pushback, but some hesitation personally from doing in real life events, you have to go places in real life. And honestly, like I've got two young kids actually scheduling, managing in real life events seems like something that it would be very taxing on me personally, right? Having to go around the country every two weeks, that just ain't happening. So to me, it's like, yeah, I get it. We're like in real life events, are valuable and people are cooped up and they're just looking for a sense of connection and community. But that's hard to scale when you're dependent on a a solopreneur as opposed to a larger organization. So when you're shying away from doing in real life events, IRL events, and you're thinking about doing things digitally, what we thought for the MarTech community that we're in theory going to launch at some point is we'll create a Slack community, but it's going to be very Actually, meant to be transactional, where like there is a form that you fill out for networking. I'm looking for someone with or anyone with this title and this level of experience to answer this question or make this connection. And people can't just go onto the community and start spamming, they actually have to fill out this sort of template, and then we publish it, and people can respond to those templates. So there's a place for I'm looking for business contacts. I'm looking for networking. I'm looking for someone to answer my question. I'm looking for, you know, whatever the five things that we came up with were the reasons why people would engage in this community. They're either looking for answers, looking for contacts, looking to develop business, looking to share their product. And let's build a place for them to do that where there are other community members that are relevant and experienced in MarTech. That's the opposite of, hey, we're going to get an event together and put everybody in a room.
2: That's the exact opposite. I did that after the fact. I started with the engagement because my theory being a founding team of a couple of failed startups. And this one was when you're starting out, you got to do things that don't scale. And the exact thing of doing things that don't scale is hosting events. Now you don't have to do it every two weeks. You can do it every month, but something that people expect that they can join. And then you couple it with your podcast or something else. We've gotten this far with a lot of volunteers helping run it, right? Like, and you don't have to sort of go and say, okay, I'm going to do it in different cities. Maybe you start with one city, like you got to pull your audience and see, I guess, what percentage of them are central to maybe San Francisco or somewhere else, or maybe start with doing two summits a year, very small, get it sponsored, those kinds of things. So I toyed with different things. What ended up working was the events drove a lot of personal connection and engagement, and then creating a forum for them between events to engage is what that one, two punch for us worked out really, really well.
1: Yeah, it seems like having people actually make real world connections first, and then giving them the digital forum to be able to communicate after is your way. You know, I've heard different things from some people are saying, look, everybody's already on Facebook, go be in Facebook. And generally what I hear is you don't want to build community in a place where people aren't already going, right? Put the content where the listeners are. If your listeners or your audience is spending time in Slack, because they're all business savvy, centric Slack users, that's where you should put your community. If they're getting together in real life, if they all live in a specific city, do an IRL event. If they're on Facebook, you know, put your community on Facebook. And that's more of a, a content play in my mind.
2: Exactly. But the thing was, when we started, because we're a bootstrap company for a while before we raised our Boast AI, raised our Series A in December, I didn't have a lot of kicks at the can, right? So I had to make it work. And I'm like, hey, what is the sure shot way of figuring out that this community is going to stick? And my theory was, can I get at least 10 or 100 super fans that are regulars that will love and evangelize getting that super fan nailed down, right? Like who absolutely love your community? Because I know if I could get one super fan, then I could get 10 and I could get 100. And I just thought it would be very, very difficult for me to do that online because now it's hard to understand sentiment entirely when you're on Slack and then somebody's a member of five, six different Slack groups. But the one thing is for sure, if there's 100 or 10 or 500 people meeting very regularly in person, then there's some magic there that we can scale. So we approach it from a point of do things that don't scale in the beginning and then layer on the other spokes, right? So like events is a thing of do things that don't scale, then what else can you layer on? So we do this webinars, now online webinars, there's two webinars a week, there's a lot of online engagement, Then we're identifying now boards, like basically whole community management boards. There's Tribe, SO, there's Circle, SO. So you can bring people in one place together between events. So those are the things we're doing. Like I think our digital followed the IRL. So we started with IRL. Then last year, we did about 100 digital events, which is twice a week, the same people coming together. They're asking each other questions in forums and whatnot, but still live. And then now we're going to move to more what happens in between those two events a week, further online engagement.
1: All right. So there's your ultimate guide for growing your community. The interesting thing to me about this story is that your community is not the product, right? You're trying to help people develop financial savviness through R&D. And so we're going to continue the conversation, hearing a little bit more about that story, about how you make the connection between community and monetization. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Lloyd Lobo, co-founder and president of boast.ai. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Lloyd and I are going to discuss monetizing your community marketing efforts. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Lloyd, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is Lloyd Lobo, L-L-O-Y-E-D-L-O-B-O, or you could visit his company's website, which is boast.ai, that's B-O-A-S-T dot A-I. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. happy
0: thanks for listening to the martech podcast